0: and then the best-performing division president stood up and was so proud and was so competent and confident and confident presentation was just so impressive and then then i watched the ceo lay into this division president just you know totally disappointed uh really pushing for more <laughs> and the executive was a little bit flustered and said uh, you know i just i just i don't understand why are you so nice why have you been so nice and kind to everyone else. And so hard on me and the CEO just said, son, when you reach the top of a mountain, you can see more.
1: Hey there, this is Ben. thanks for tuning in to lead the team. Before we jump in, we just broke into the top 2% of all podcasts globally. And that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe. So you're notified when we release a new episode and also leave a quick review. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one bestselling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders
0: share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's
1: Ben. Lead the Team Nation. Welcome back. I've got Jordan Brug, who is the Global Head of Private Equity for Spencer Stewart. And he's led more than 300 CEO searches. So you can imagine what we're going to get into today. And in this role, he oversees a team providing a comprehensive suite of leadership advisory services and human capital consulting to private equity firms and their portfolio companies. He's also quick to mention that Spencer Stewart does more than just executive search and board search, including over 65 years, the firm has grown into a complete management consultancy with a focus on building and developing individual leaders and high-performance teams. He's authored and co-authored some pretty cool articles, including predicting CEO success with potential out- outperforms experience and building the future leadership insights for the global infrastructure industry and the PE-backed portfolio company board and prioritizing experience with the, with the stakes so high for selecting the right CEO or board's looking for a safer bet. Jordan's graduated cum laude in the past from Lafayette College. Jordan, welcome to Lead the Team, sir. Thank
0: you for that gracious introduction and good to be with you.
1: Well, we got to bring it because we got to let them know how awesome you are before we get even more awesomeness. So what's it like or what was it like watching a legendary CEO coach another CEO?
0: Uh, ah, okay, so i I have had the privilege of seeing this in a number of instances. Hmm. Uh, and <clears throat> i will I will share one of the most memorable uh, moments was very early in my career. This is about almost twenty years ago, and um, we had the privilege of sitting into a CEO who was essentially doing performance reviews. Uh, and we got to see all of the division presidents uh, share, uh, 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 really present on the nature of their business. Okay. And, you know, watching the CEO sort of do this performance review is a privileged moment. And if you think back to the, to the time and era, this was a large public company conglomerate. Mm-hmm. And it was, think GE, think Honeywell. And this was back in the day where screaming and uh, bullying and yelling at bad performers was sort of a more generally uh, recognized practice. (laughs) I thought (laughs) I was in this for an amazing day of entertainment, and I was so disappointed by the first few presentations because the uh, division presidents stood up, and one by one, they presented on why their division had missed their Mm. targets and why certain things didn't exactly go as planned, and I was amazed by sort of the sensitivity of this CEO. I mean he was so uh, understanding and working to understand the root cause, and how can we help uh, you know bring different parts of the organization in to help these individuals? And then the best performing division president stood up and was so proud and was so competent and confident and the presentation was just so impressive. And then, then I watched this CEO lay into this division president, just, you know, totally disappointed, uh, really pushing for more. <clears throat> and the executive was a bit flustered and said, uh, you know, I just, I just, I don't understand why are you so nice? Why have you been so nice and kind to everyone else? And so hard on me. And the CEO just said, son, when you reach the top of a mountain, you can see more. And, you know, he just sort of, it just dawned on him what was happening. And mm-hmm. I just, that moment has sat with me for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sat with me deeply because it really brought to life the, not that I condone the management style that the CEO took. I don't think that's necessarily um, made for modern, the modern era mm-hmm. here, But
1: but the point was helping other people when they were down. And yes. pushing
0: people to do more when they were up. It was pretty incredible.
1: And so many leaders do the reverse. Like, why can't you be more like Phyllis, who's the has the top performing division? You little underperforming divisions. What's wrong with you? Be more like her. Or it's even more insulting when they have the top performing division say, why don't you go mentor these other division leaders who can't do as well as you? And just share the, the best practices.
0: It was a complete inverse, and it was uh, it was remarkable.
1: Mel, what true. a great, what a great, great leadership lesson. Thanks for sharing that insight with us, Jordan. So, three hundred CEO searches. I I, I got to dig into this in terms of what you've learned. So I'm thinking about it from two different perspectives. One is CEOs on the show listening what what mistakes do ceos make in this process and where companies messing up
0: oh that's such a uh, such a broad question and there are the
1: biggest you know, mistakes biggest you have to prioritize so,
0: so many uh so many uh situations that are you know u- unique but i i would go back to and i know a lot has been written on the subject of authenticity and just being an authentic leader. And there's just, there's there's so much literature on leadership. And I think it's very easy for individuals to think that they should be doing something mm. or to not necessarily trust instinctually how they feel they should be representing not only themselves, but also mm. their organizations and their people. Oh. And so um, uh, I think one of the, one of the big mistakes that's often made is this inability to be to be your authentic self um, as a leader. Hmm.
1: And so, what's the, the other, advice? The other, that, oh. the other, the other uh, thing I would just come to mind is sometimes um,
0: power and leadership. We've all seen lots of examples in the world where it can go to one's one's head, and it's actually a little bit of a disease. I call it CEO itis and it's pretty easy to catch and so uh you know some leaders who can find themselves falling victim to that they need to catch themselves with it um, and figure out a way to treat themselves quickly
1: okay all right so ceo itis let's double click on that guy how does it show up How how does it how does it present
0: um it usually presents itself into assuming that nobody else can understand their challenges, no one else can empathize with the pressures they face. Um, mm-hmm. Closed off to open dialogue
1: around what they're dealing with and an assumption that they need to generate all their own answers to all their mm-hmm. own questions. So just being making themselves so lonely and isolated from the team and the company and maybe even at external supporters, huh? Yes. Yeah. Yes, and what's yes. the advice that you give them in the search process when they seem to <laughs> be falling into that?
0: Just every every leader needs an individual or two that is going to hit them with it squarely in the face in a trusted way, where hmm. the leader knows that that individual is not there to make their life difficult or. Um, you know, because there's some other agenda other than really trying to help them see what they may not be seeing. Yeah.
1: That's big. You know, we and I think that there's an art in learning how to identify those people for yourself. It's it's not always easy. And honestly, those aren't always the people that make us feel very good. So we're not the, we're not inviting them to happy hour and we're definitely not inviting them on vacation with us. Uh, what's, what's your advice for, to CEOs? And they're like, well, you know, Jordan, I, you know, your CEO, I guess, yeah, maybe I have that. Um, but where, I don't really have anybody that I would say would give me that sort of straight talk.
0: I know it. it is, it is hard to identify. Um, and sometimes it doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, a, peer or luminary sometimes it can be a close friend sometimes it's a family member uh sometimes it's you know it can be it can be an unusual character who you want to bring in closer to you um and it doesn't have to be in a way that's formally affiliated with your business or organization so um you know so i think think create creatively about, uh, for those listening, think creatively about people in your world and your orbit close to you that you can bring closer into other parts of your life. Um, and I definitely think as well, if you are someone who has a gift for doing this for others, um, you know, similarly, don't be afraid to, to to put it out there to people who you're close to. I've sometimes been pretty surprised at when you do something And it is really not in your best interest. And it's very clear that you're doing it with no agenda. Even if someone doesn't like what you're saying, it's incredible how it changes the nature of the trust and the relationship going forward. And the appreciation for it um, Hmm. can flow both ways.
1: Thinking about your 300 searches, uh, and that's just for the CEO role, you're... You're developing your network, you're building your relationships, and you're a, you have people all over the world. I'm sure. What are you? What are the success factors that you see in people? So I'm thinking about our audience, who are managers, directors, vice presidents, executive vice presidents, who have their their eyes set on being in the CEO role, CEO role one day. What are the success things that you see that those people have that eventually reach it to the CEO role?
0: Um, these are these are these are great questions. Um, Big (laughs) questions, big questions. They're big. I I guess. (laughs) I guess. um, You know, one one or two things that I feel like are fairly common. Um, One is. A lot of people assume that business and organizations are political, and sometimes they are. And sometimes people feel the need to sort of play some sort of political game in a social organism, which many organizations are. But I have actually found that the individuals who avoid that, um, that they eventually that actually eventually shows itself in some very positive ways that can mm. propel, propel people, even if it takes a little longer to do so. Um, but I I find that mm. those who are getting the job done develop a reputation where everyone starts to find you because you're the person who's going to get it done. Mm. And if you make doing business easy and frictionless, people and and enjoy and and and, and people enjoy working with you. And it's two very basic things. Hmm. People will come to you. They will enjoy coming to you. They won't feel uh, like it's hard to to do business with you. And you get things done. Okay. I have found that that's really basic. And it really makes individuals just sort of shine. Um, You definitely still need to know how to advocate for yourself at the right time. But when you pick the moment to advocate for yourself, The people you're at, the people who you're addressing, you have a track record of delivering for, you have a track record of being fun and easy to work with, and who doesn't then want to help you get to where you want to go? They don't want to lose you. You're the person getting everything done and making their life easier. So if you are, I hate to make that so simple but i really feel like those are elements that i have seen sort of universally drive people to the top of whatever they're they're doing
1: i love it there are many other factors like you mentioned advocating for yourself these skills but but the but you're saying hey these are the foundational items that you're saying that they have which is people come to you you're known as a person that gets the work done and then you make it easy and enjoyable for them to work with you if you still get if you get the work done, but every time someone knocks on your door, you make them feel like they're an idiot, or you make it feel like you're you're going out of your way to help them. Uh, that doesn't check that box. So, being yeah, sure. being a good partner and a collaborator sounds like it's it's key.
0: The other the other uh, element that I often Advise people is when they're thinking about a new job or they're thinking about making a change inside their own organization. Um, oftentimes, they spend a lot of a lot of energy assessing the role, or assessing the company, or assessing what they, what they want. What they don't spend time doing is assessing the people that they're going to be working most closely with. They don't spend mm. enough time on that, mm. and So if you're a CEO or want to be a CEO and you're interviewing for a CEO job, are you really looking at who the board is or who the investors are? Because those are the individuals you're going to be working most closely with. If you're a vice president and you're getting a potential promotion, does that change who around the table is going to impact your success? And so referencing those individuals, understanding if they have a track record of developing and promoting talent. Understanding if they're the type of individual that will look after you if you're looking after them uh, is a huge miss oftentimes as people are thinking about navigating, understanding their career. And so I I tend to encourage people to follow people. Don't follow jobs.
1: Nice. Want to boost your productivity and decision-making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource, whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to binfanning.com slash insight. Okay, so building on that, I've noticed we're on, we're on episode 175 right now uh, on Lead the Team. And there are there is a pattern of leaders sharing that they want to be a leader that people follow if they leave the company sometimes they're brought to another company because they're going to bring their team with them are you finding that to be a growing a growing uh, trend
0: yeah for for sure i mean there's a um, sort of a network effect of great leaders mm-hmm. and <clears throat> the reason why people follow those individuals are oftentimes they know that 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 individual is not only successful, but they also care about the success of those around them. Mm -hmm. And if you are working for a leader who is going to share their success or recognize you and let other people recognize you, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that is how one person builds another person and, and, and so on and so forth. And by the way, great leaders know they can't be successful without those other Individuals, Uh, and so uh, it's it's not so much in many environments who has the best idea, but are you a leader who can get the best ideas uh, as opposed to necessarily being the person that has the best idea? Um, And look, if you're someone who's growing up in an organization or has a great concept or a great way of creating value, why would you bring it or share it with someone who's not going to? recognize you in any way uh or steal it (laughs) right so that the trust that's created by people who want to help others succeed whether you're helping your boss or your boss is helping you um you know that's sort of that kind of trust works both both ways and i think it's a critical factor to like high-performing teams and high-performing environments where people can be most successful
1: Putting your executive search and recruiting head on. Listen to the leaders today. What what is the speaking to the leaders there that, that are absorbing this podcast right now? How can they best engage with search and recruiting if they want to move on to a different company and be considered? Because they're probably getting contacted by a lot of different people. Some organizations. I mean, Spencer Stewart is fairly well known, but they're getting contacted by a lot of people they don't know about. They don't know who to trust. Uh, what, yeah. what, what, what strategy would you recommend for executives to take on that front?
0: Yeah, one one uh, consideration is to start building external relationships long before you actually want to make a change. And I would say anecdotally, a huge portion of individuals I've recruited, maybe two thirds, are not people that I'm meeting for the first time on a project. They're individuals I've developed relationships with over long periods of time, um, either because they've hired me in the past and I've worked for them and I've really gotten to see their teams and their businesses and I've gotten to understand what they're able to do. Mm -hmm. or they've taken the time to help me solve a search uh, by introducing me to their network, Um, or they weren't interested in the job that I called about, but they took the time to meet with me. And we've, over years, had many interactions where I've gotten to really understand what motivates them, how they work. So it's not really a first time, hey, reaching out to me asking for a job. But by the time they're really thinking about really wanting to make a change, we have a fundamental understanding for they would be ideal in this situation or that situation, a real appreciation for who they are.
1: So advice is take the call. Take the call. Have the conversation. Do you think they should be uh, – I guess one of the things that, that comes up with maybe some hesitancy talking to recruiters is, well, I don't want to tell them my true salary. I don't want to tell them uh, what problems I'm facing. I don't want to tell them all that stuff because they're going to go share with everybody. I don't know if I can trust them. What's your take on being completely transparent with a recruiter versus when you should hold your cards?
0: Um, so I would love to say that everyone in My industry is trustworthy and uh, you should be as transparent as you can be with everyone. But uh, I do think that there are a number of reputable firms that have really great professionals. And so, um, you know, I would say that there's there's a lot of trust that you can have in the industry. Um, But. Every individual should again research the firm, research the individual. It's fairly easy to understand how what degree of professionalism might be there. Um, mm-hmm. So I, you need to use some judgment, of course, on who you're talking with and why. Um, but that being said, um, once you feel like you are engaged with a professional, um, uh, you know you you will benefit by viewing that individual as a relationship, not as a transaction, uh, and assume that that person is looking for the same. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I think that the transparency only helps you uh, as an individual. And, um, and it goes back to something I was saying earlier about authenticity uh, mm-hmm. and knowing yourself. And if the more you know yourself and the more you are authentic, the more your representatives in the marketplace can help you get to where you really want to be and need to be. Um, And so I think recruiters, just like your own friends and network, are your ambassadors out in the marketplace. Hmm. And if they understand you and understand what you're looking for and why, and you're self-aware enough to know what it is you're trying to do and why, they can be more effective ambassadors.
1: Do you recommend that CEOs, executive level people, work with more than one search firm?
0: Uh yes, I do. Um, in that, you can have your favorites, and you can have people who uh, who trust who you trust most and who you really go to as your go, as your go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reality is, you never really know where the right. If you're thinking about making a change or you're trying to create more optionality for yourself, you never really know where the right thing is going to come from and who's going to be the person that connects those dots. And so um, if you can do it in a way, again, that is discreet and you have uh, uh, more ambassadors um, that are sort of under your tent, I, I think the more optionality gets gets created.
1: So so good. Such great advice. Up Op- great optionality for yourself and relationship building with search firms. What do executive uh, executive level searches, how are you networking differently than you would then someone would be networking if they're going for like a manager director position? Like what's the main distinction there other than quantity? Probably a lot fewer of those roles.
0: Fewer of those roles and the specificity of those roles are 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 usually um, so unique that there are fewer roles, but fewer people qualify. And mm-hmm. and so, in many ways, um, you can be a very very accomplished executive and get to a point in your career where you're just gonna have less opportunities, not because you're not an incredible talented person, but there's going to be fewer options of situations that specifically are looking for you. And so, uh, it's another reason why the relationship building, uh, the self awareness, the connectivity yes. around what you're trying to do yes, um, and doing it in a way that no, where, you know, it may not happen immediately, um, is even more important as you get more and more uh more and more you know uh senior
1: what what is the most effective executive networking tool
0: everyone has their own styles you know there are individuals who um you know who publish who go to conferences who mm-hmm. uh do more entertaining um you know, so I, I think it is unique to the individual. And, um, and again, going back to maybe a theme here, which is, you know, what feels comfortable and natural for you? What is authentic? And when you are, that is usually the network that you're going to affiliate with and associate with, you know, the most, um, I do find that there are a lot of organizations that are sort of learning organizations or that convene groups of people in that are like-minded or that are in a specific cohort or network. Mm -hmm. And if you're there for the right reasons, you know, not just there to network, but you're there, you know, genuinely, I also find that those can be places where you can build interesting new relationships.
1: So find an authentic way to do it, whether it's, in-person socializing, but it sounds like a lot of it's not on technology. It's in-person. It sounds like for, for executive level people. Right.
0: I, I find it is, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it is, it is, um, you know, maybe, maybe this is a little bit of me projecting my own, my own bias, but um, I just find that when I'm, when I'm really spending time with someone, I get to know them in a different way, get to appreciate with them in a different way. And the world is so filled with so many distractions. You know, if you're on a quick Zoom with someone, you know, maybe they've got 14 other emails that they're also simultaneously doing. they
1: forget you so quickly.
0: It's just, yeah, it's really hard. And so if you can find moments where people are truly present and, uh, you know, and the experience isn't diluted by lots of other things, it's just, you just build such more, more meaningful, uh, more meaningful contact.
1: What is your approach to making those moments happen for your, for yourself and in your role? Especially, I mean, we're now recording this for sort of out of the COVID era, which good Lord, that yeah. threw everybody for a tizzy. So getting with people in person became way more complicated. Uh, but yeah. now, I mean, how are you thinking about this? Getting off of Zoom and uh, getting in, in, in person with uh, people that can be hard to reach, right? Executives and their boards.
0: Yeah. I I felt, at least for my business, uh, that during the early stages of COVID, we thought, wow, this is pretty interesting. Our business is doing just as well. And we're saving all this money because we're Zooming everywhere and uh, FaceTiming on everything. And 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 it was you know it was an incredibly productive moment mm-hmm. but over time you know, that technology is still great and can still be a, a big advantage but over time we noticed a couple of things one uh i did feel as though my some of my relationships professional relationships were atrophying uh two like we we were getting increasingly concerned that our younger talent in our organization wasn't getting the apprenticeship and wasn't getting the same sort of experiences that some of us had had. And so how do we sort of bring that back? Um, And I think maybe the final concern was if we are not all together, meaning employees, colleagues, partners, if we're not all working together and we're just independent contractors on uh, Zooms all day, you know, what would be the value of? What is the value of really being being colleagues? What mm. is the value of working as a team? Uh, we could do this anywhere with anyone. So I know that doesn't apply for all businesses, but for us, it became a very real real thing to say. Well, maybe then employees will just go to the highest bidder, and they won't put as much value in terms of the real friendships and bonds that get created. So I'm mm. I'm a big fan of being in person. Um, I still like to use technology whenever. We can, um, uh, which is often still, much more often than we were. I appreciate being able to jump on and do this conversation with you and have a really meaningful conversation. Um, But in business right now, I'm very intentional about finding relationships that were important to me and figuring out how I can see them in person Mm. and. I'm finding that it's really appreciated with the people who you have a lot of history with um, or new people that you're really trying to get to know. So that's that's been a conscious effort.
1: Love it. And it's so important for the listeners to be keeping in mind you all. You know, you're leading teams out there and you're coming out of this pandemic. You've got to get with people because if not, your competition will be. They, you know, whoever makes that personal relationship is gonna in person is gonna the, be, be the person who understands more about their family, um, gets to hear about you know the real challenges that they face and, and their aspirations, and just doesn't always get conveyed over Zoom or Teams. Uh, Jordan, wrapping this thing up, I didn't ask you about that poster behind you, y'all. We, and and for all of you who cannot see it Jordan has his poster I was going to ask him about it at the beginning but I got so into his background uh, that I missed it it says think i and you work alone and then it says no man can succeed alone one helps another and both progress is that did i read that correctly you
0: read that correctly and then at the very bottom it says help others and they help you hmm. um so This poster was actually in a mentor, uh, the office of a mentor of mine, and uh, was the CEO of Spencer Stewart for a number of years, and the chairman, Spencer Stewart, for a number of years, and Mm -hmm. everyone, he lived this, his name was Dayton Ogden, he lived this poster, and um, he was an incredibly inspiring leader, not just to me and some of my colleagues, but also to lots of clients and Lots of CEOs and boards that he's worked with over the years, mm. and um, we're in the middle of maybe move, of starting to move our office location. I didn't want anything to happen to this. He gifted it to me, and so uh, I took it with me. But it is a constant reminder to try to live up to to uh, his expectations there.
1: So I'll I'll do a better job of repeating and, it.
0: And because yeah, I'm on Zoom, so. by the way, mm-hmm. I get to. See this in the reflection of most of my (laughs) meetings. So it's a constant reminder. It's a reminder.
1: (laughs) Think I and you work alone. No man works alone.
0: No man can succeed alone. Or can succeed alone. One helps another and both progress. Help others and they help you.
1: Help others and they help you. Great advice, not just for executives. But also for all of us to think about. And a great place to put the cherry on top of this interview. Jordan, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. It's good to be with you. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to Benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer. Before you make such an impactful decision, go to Benfanning.com quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.